Well, this morning we're going to continue our study of our identification with Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross. And you can open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 again as as the base of our study. Romans chapter 6 and verse 11 where Paul made one of the most powerful statements I think in all of his epistles. Romans 6, 11, it says, Paul says, Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And that's the sin nature. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And yesterday we began our study, again, dealing with this verse. And in Romans 6, the manner in which Paul dealt with what is referred to sometimes as our identification with Christ. And as I mentioned yesterday, For so many of the church, if they know anything about the cross, it is in the realm of substitution. And as I mentioned yesterday as well, praise God for that. Substitution in the realm of what Jesus did for us. If they know anything about the cross, it's in regards to what he did for us on our behalf at Calvary. And again, praise God that Jesus did something for us that we couldn't do in and of ourselves. Which, by the way, if you're wondering what we, what we can't do in and of ourselves, it's everything. And so he did everything for us. But for so many, what they don't understand is what God did through Christ to us at the cross. Not only did he did, at the cross did he do something for me, but he did something to me, that Jesus on that cross did not die alone, but in Romans chapter 6 and in other passages, but mainly in Romans 6, what Paul tells us is that when Jesus died, I also died. You, as a child of God, by exhibiting faith in Christ, who he is and what he did for you at Calvary, he took you back 2,000 years ago and placed you on on Mount Golgotha, on that tree, with Christ, and you were baptized into his death. He would say in verse Romans chapter six and verse three. In verse five, as we covered yesterday, you and I were planted into the likeness of his death. And in verse six, he said, we were crucified with him, crucified with him, buried with him, and resurrected with Christ. We were made one with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. That is what is thought of or referred to as our identification with Christ. I want to emphasize that again. What does that mean, our identification with Christ? It means that we have faith and understanding that we were made one and have been made one with Christ in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. That you and I as a child of God experience, and get this, this is not just good theology. You hear me this morning? It's not just good doctrine that Paul was talking about. He was talking about a spiritual reality. A spiritual reality about us as God's children A spiritual reality of what happened when we first got saved, we were crucified, buried, and resurrected with Jesus Christ. That is our identification with Christ. And as I mentioned yesterday as well, that our identification with Christ is not experienced by any works that we do. It's not experienced by a a three-step method or a seven steps, seven steps to identification. No, no, it's not that. It, It is experienced, as Paul would say in Romans 6, by reckoning ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And I and by exhibiting faith and faith alone in what Jesus accomplished for us on that cross. It is by knowing what he did, knowing what the word of God tells us happened, by reckoning ourselves dead unto sin and living by faith in what we know Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary. 
That is a quick review of what we covered yesterday, and this morning, we're going to continue our study of that. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you, Lord, today for the privilege and the opportunity, God, to be able to study your word and to know you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, knowing you is better than anything else in this world. Lord, as the psalmist said, I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And Lord, this morning, I would rather be here right now studying your word than anywhere else in this world, Lord. God, I thank you that you have been so good to us and your mercies are new every morning. Lord, Lord God, we ask you for your anointing for, to minister and your anointing for us to receive. And we say it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. As we begin our study this morning, looking again, basing it out of Romans chapter 6 and verse 11, again, Paul says, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. I want to ask this question, because we dealt with the word reckoning yesterday. And you know, it would be good to review what that word means. Do you remember what that word reckon means? It's, it, by the way, it's, it's not a southern word. <laughs> I, I, I reckon that we're going to go uh, get some barbecue. No, it's not a southern word. It's a, <laughs> it's a Bible word, an English word that just simply means this. It means to take an inventory. It means to conclude. It means a final outcome or to come to a final conclusion on something. Again, the, the, it was a business term used in businesses of that day and also in the, in the financial businesses of that day. A business would take an inventory of its stock and come to a final conclusion on how much he's got. That's what the businessman would do. And based on that final conclusion, that's what he would do his business on, on that final conclusion, the final outcome. It's like us basically knowing how much money we have in the bank, at least is the way this, this should be, <laughs> knowing how much money we have and, and basically living based on that and not living beyond our means, right? But you have a final outcome and you live your life based on that final outcome. Now Paul would say this, reckon yourself to be dead to sin, and the idea there is that we are to add up, or in a sense, take an inventory of what Jesus has accomplished for us at Calvary. Now, how do we know what Jesus did for us at the cross? How do we know that? How, do, how, how can we take an inventory and figuratively, in a sense, add up what he's done for us? Well, it's right here in God's Word. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 6 alone, we see we can add up what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary. Again, as we studied yesterday, in verse 6, we were baptized into his death. Well, uh, in, we, we were buried with him in his burial. We were raised up with him in his resurrection. We were planted together in the likeness of his glory, of his death. We were raised up together with him in his glory. We were crucified with him. We can add up the truth of God's word and come to the conclusion. Get this, come to the conclusion, a concrete established conclusion, this is the way it is, that I am dead to sin. I am dead. I am dead. As I dealt with yesterday, one of the two, two synonyms of the word reckoning in the New Testament, in the words, it's the Greek word oida, which means I, uh, which translated means I know or K-N-O-W, and there's other Greek words for know or K-N-O-W, but specifically oida, it speaks of an instinctive knowledge that this reckoning of ourselves, this final outcome, is to become a knowledge that is a part of our very being. It's not just an activity that I do every once in a while. I don't just reckon myself when I find myself being tempted. 
Oh no, I'm about to, oh no, temptation's coming. Hurry up, reckon myself. I gotta hurry up and reckon myself. Oh, oh God, I, I reckon myself right now to be dead. I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. I mean, somewhat facetious, but sometimes we can view it that way. We can view the cross that way. We can live our own life, and we only view the cross basically, uh, only uh, in a sense, exhibit faith in the cross whenever we're going through a hard time. Well, I'm going through a hard, uh, a hard time. I'm facing a temptation right now. Oh, Lord, I look to you right now. And, and praise God for looking to the cross and reckoning ourselves to be dead and also alive unto God. But as it concerns this, and really everything as it concerns the cross, the Holy Spirit's plan and design in our own life is that it becomes who we are. Who we are, Watchman Nee, who was a missionary in China for many years during the, the Boxer Rebellion in the early, uh, early 1900s, mid, early 1900s, he was put in prison, powerful testimony. If you ever get a chance to read his book, Watchman Nee, it's called The Messenger of the Cross. The Messenger of the Cross. And in that book, what he says, and one of the things in which he says, which is so powerful, is that when Paul wrote words like Galatians chapter two and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not, not I but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live by faith, I li- or in the flesh I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Paul said those words, he was not just stating just good theology. He was not just repeating something that the Holy Spirit told him, and it was all it is, just repeating words. But when he wrote those words and wrote other words, like for example in Romans chapter six, he was stating the reality of who he was. That who he was became a living testimony of who Jesus is and what Jesus did for him at the cross. That that's God's design for us. That when we talking about when we talk about reckoning ourselves to be dead to sin, but alive unto God. That this is not just good doctrine that we can recite, but it becomes who we are. That we don't just try to try to reckon ourselves when we are faced with temptation or when we are faced with adversity, but before we're faced with temptation, before we are faced with adversity, we're already reckoning ourselves all the time. It's like the breath in our lungs. I'm reckoning myself all the time. It becomes who I am continually. You see, I want to ask the question here, when do we reckon ourselves? When do we reckon ourselves? And I've already answered it somewhat, but in the text, in verse 11 of chapter 6, the word reckon, or the Greek word logizomai, is in the present tense. And if you know a little bit about Greek, the tenses, you know that the present tense speaks of uh, habitual action or continual action. And so it could be translated as, reckon yourself and keep on reckoning. Over and over and over and over and over. It's like the Energizer Bunny, or that Duracell, no Energizer. It keeps going on and 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 on. Every step I take, every breath in a sense that I take spiritually, I'm reckoning myself over and over and over. It's continual all the time. All the time I'm in my heart, in my spirit, by faith, I've come to that conclusion. I know, I am persuaded, I'm dead. Oh my Lord, I'm dead, but I'm alive, hallelujah. I'm dead, and we're gonna get to it this morning, I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to the law as a means of righteousness. 
I'm dead to my old man. And again, for you ladies, you old lady, uh, you're dead. Dead, dead, dead. When are we to reckon? We're to reckon all the time. Every moment of the day. And again, this is not some religious duty that we do. We, 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 we reckon by knowing what Jesus did for us at Calvary and exhibiting faith in the truth of what God's word tells us happened at that cross 2,000 years ago. You and I weren't there, but we have his word, thank the Lord, that tells us what happened. Hallelujah. I said, you and I were not there 2,000 years ago. You and I are Gentiles. We are wild olive branches. Get that? We're wild. That's what the Apostle Paul described us as, wild olive branches. We weren't there 2,000 years ago, but thank God for his word that tells us what you and I need to know happened there 2,000 years ago. Oh, hallelujah. And what his word tells us, tells us all that we need. You and I don't have to have a vision even though God, even though God, that's not the Lord, by the way. Even though if, if God gives you a vision, praise God for that. You, but you and I don't have to have a vision. We've got the truth of his word. When are we to reckon? All the time. Oh, hallelujah. All the time. And, you know, that lines up perfectly with what Jesus said in Luke 9 and verse 23. Why don't you turn there real quickly, if you would, in your Bibles, and Keep a finger here in the book of Romans. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. And I know some of you could probably quote that verse by heart. And there are many verses in the Bible I, that I, I think that we as believers need to know by heart. Know by memory. And I don't mean that just that it stays up in our head, but it's in our spirit. Luke 9 and verse 23, Jesus said this. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, what? Daily and follow me. Those words, take up the cross or take up his cross daily. That must have been me. It wasn't the roofer. The, uh, when he said take up his cross daily, here Jesus was meaning that we are to embrace the benefits of the cross. But get this, by that statement, he was also meaning that the disciple of Christ is to identify with the cross of Christ. Notice in that verse, in Luke 9 and verse 23, he said let, let the disciple take up his cross daily. He could have said, let the disciple of Christ take up my cross in reference to Jesus. He could have said that and been right, right? But he said this, let the disciple take up his cross daily. Which, what does that mean? It means that the disciple is to know that Christ's cross was my cross. I died 2,000 years ago with Jesus. I was buried, I was placed in that tomb, and I rose from the dead. Oh, hallelujah. That's what he was implying as well by that statement. But he said this, let it happen daily. Why do we have to reckon ourselves daily to be dead but yet alive through Christ? It's because if we don't, for one moment, we, we gravitate towards the flesh. We're like a magnet to our, we're like a fly to a bug zapper. Get that? We're like a fly to a bug zapper. We just, we just gravitate towards our own righteousness. We, because we are but flesh, we gravitate to our own, toward our own wisdom, our own ability. We gravitate towards that. We, we're like, a, again, like a, like a magnet. We, we're pulled that way because of our flesh. That's why we, by faith, the just shall live by faith. By faith, we must reckon ourselves to be dead indeed and to sin I want to ask this question now as well. Who is dead? Who died with Christ on that cross 2,000 years ago? Well, in Romans chapter 6, and go back there if you would please, Romans 6 and verse 6. 
Paul in this passage explained to us, or at least stated, who died on the cross with Christ. And I've already mentioned it many times, but I want to I detail it some more. In Romans 6, 6, if you're there, say amen. amen. Paul says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. There he stated who, or the aspect of us, who was crucified with him. Again, he said, our old man. And as I've said somewhat humorously, you ladies, you old, the old lady has been crucified with Christ. And what is the, who is the old man? Who is the old us? Well, the old us is this. It, he is, the old man is the one in whom the sin nature is reigning. That's the old us. The one in whom the sin nature is reigning. Oh, Brother Bob, <laughs> I don't understand that. I, I, I've never had that happen in my life. Uh, <laughs> you need to look in the mirror. Oh, you need to have a reality check. Well, you know, Brother Bob, I don't have an old, you know, I, uh, I was raised in a bubble and, you know, I, I'm, I've spoken tongues from birth. And, well, well, you need to have a reality check. No, you've got an old man. That old man is the one in whom the sin nature is reigning. Now, the way that Paul described the old man in his epistles is mainly in this way, that the old man, at least the one, the us, in whom the sin nature is reigning, describes the person who we were before we knew Christ. Get that? The old man, predominantly in Scripture, in the way that Paul used him, is the one who we were before we knew Jesus. And before we knew Christ, the, our, the default position was that the sin nature reigned in us. Did you get that? The sin nature reigned in our life, and all we could be was an old man. The word old in the scripture, the way Paul used it, refers to something that's worn out. It's used up. And you can be young, you can be a teenager, but not know Jesus, but spiritually be old. Get that? Be an old man and that's all you are. You can be 80 years old and because you don't know Jesus, you're an old man. Spiritually, you're worn out, you're used up. You don't have anything to offer God. You're an old man. But you see, Paul also used the word old man to describe really the one who we would be right now without the sanctifying grace of God working in our life right now as his child. But for the grace of God, but for the sanctifying grace of God in our life right now. Well, Brother Bob, you don't understand. I've been saved for 20 years. No, no, no. Without his grace right now, you and I are an absolute mess. I said you and I are an absolute mess, and you and I have no comprehension how evil our wicked heart is. Well, I'm a child of God. Well, on this side of glory, get this, uh, on this side of glory, because we have not been raptured yet, we still have a heart that's just deceitfully wicked, the Lord said to Jeremiah. And yes, we're on our way to heaven, and yes, we are justified, but in and of ourself, get that, in and of ourself, apart from the sanctifying grace of Almighty God manifested through what Christ did for us at Calvary. We don't know the bounds. We don't know the limits of our, of our wicked heart. And so the old man describes that one who we are or who we would be without the sanctifying grace of God. And Paul said this. He said, the old man was crucified with Christ. What I was, what I could be right now, and what I would be without Jesus. That man 
was put on the cross 2,000 years ago and crucified with Jesus. <laughs> oh, he did something to me. <laughs> oh, he didn't just do something for me. He did something to me. He took my old man and put him on the cross. That person I used to be, the person I could be right now, and the person I would be without Jesus, he put him to death. Put him to death. You and I are not a recycled individual. God's not recycling us. He put us to death because there ain't, a, there ain't excuse my poor English, but there ain't nothing good about the old man. The old man has got to die. I said, the old man has got to die. And by exhibiting faith in what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary and knowing what he did for us at that cross from the truth of God's word, our old man has been crucified. Today, you are dead. Well, I don't know about that, Brother Bob. You don't understand the problems that I have. Regardless of the issues of our life, regardless of the failures of our own stinking rotten flesh, we are dead. It's either the truth or it's not the truth. And the way that Paul described it is this. We are dead. And you and I as God's children need to believe that and receive that as it concerns who is dead, our old man, and as well as it concerns who is dead, the way that Paul described it in Galatians chapter two, if you would please go there in your Bibles as well real quick, Galatians chapter two and verse 20, I know that's a verse as well that many of us could quote by heart, but I want you to see it. Galatians chapter two and verse 20, one of the most awesome statements in all the word of God where Paul said, I am, and I like to say, I like to use really the, the words really of the, of the New King James in that passage there in verse 20 where it says, I have been crucified with Christ. Because the perfect tense in the Greek is used there. The perfect tense, a past completed action with continual results. Get that? I have been a past action, completed action, but it has continuing results. I was crucified and I'm living as a crucified person. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But focus on that word I. Paul said I, and in that one statement, he also defines who else was crucified with Christ. Our old man was, but Paul used this terminology, I, I, I was crucified with him. And the word I in the Greek, it's the Greek word ego from what we get the, the English idea of ego from. Ego, I, and he uses that word for emphasis. An emphasis upon myself. I. My own, and this is the idea, my, myself, in my own flesh, my own wisdom, my own ability, my own righteousness, my own understanding to be righteous, to be victorious, to be acceptable in the eyes of God. I, ego, the big I has been crucified with Christ. You see, you wanna know true humility? True humility is the person who is humbling themselves before the cross. And that includes every one of us. It's the one who's humbling themselves before the cross and realizing that I have nothing in it of myself. And those aren't just words, but it's reality. I have absolutely nothing. The big I has been put to death. You see, because God can't use the big I. I said God can't use the big I and little you mentality. That has to be put to death. And he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It, that, that, that lines up perfectly with what Jesus said again in Luke 9 in verse 23 when he said, deny 
what or who? Deny your, your, in, your, your mother-in-law. Take up the cross daily <laughs> and follow me. <laughs> Deny that, that, that bad mouth coworker and take up the cross daily and follow me. Uh, deny, deny, uh, deny somebody else. No, he said deny yourself. You see, our biggest problem is not the devil, even though there is spiritual warfare that we encounter in this life. But our biggest problem is not the devil. Our biggest problem is S-E-L-F, self. Our own wisdom, our own ability, our own righteousness. And why do we have that? It's because we haven't been raptured yet. But when the rapture takes place and when the trumpet sounds, not only will the, will, will the, uh, 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 well, well, I said it this way, everything, all the effects of the sin nature will be removed from our life. And so as it concerns who died, I died. Going back to Romans 6 and verse 11 now, he said, that's why Paul said, likewise reckon you also yourselves to be dead unto sin. What does dead mean? Dead means dead. <laughs> dead means dead. Likewise reckon yourself to be dead. You and I were buried with him in his, in his death. What does it mean to be dead? Dead means dead. Dead, the way that Paul describes it, is the Greek word necros, and it just simply means deprived of life. This is a more clinical definition of it, but deprived of life, lacking power to feel, move, or respond, no longer producing or functioning, no longer stirred emotionally or intellectually, just dead. The heart is not pumping anymore. The brain or mind is not functioning anymore. Dead. There is no life there. It do, there's no response because there's no life there. It's dead. If I was to have, and this is, of course, be a very morbid example, but if I was to bring a dead body into this auditorium today and place him on this stage, I could speak to him Hey, wake up. I could speak to him. I could pinch him. I could kick him. I could do anything I wanted to. I could say, yo, mama. But, and he wouldn't do anything. You get that? He, I could say everything I want, and he wouldn't do anything. Why? Because he's dead. You see, that is God's design for you and I as his children. You see, in the natural, dead is not good, right? In the natural, in the fleshly, that's why so many in the church view the crucifixion bad, resurrection good, because they're viewing the cross in the natural, in the, by, by the flesh, in the fleshly realm. But in the spiritual realm, in the biblical realm of the truth, death, is wonderful. Oh, death is wonderful. Life is wonderful. It's all wonderful. Hallelujah. I'm dead. Praise the Lord. I'm dead. Oh, hallelujah. I'm dead. 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 Oh, hallelujah. I'm dead. I'm alive. Woo! Praise the Lord. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Oh, I'm alive. I've been risen from the dead. It's both wonderful. Dead. See, in the eyes of God, for us as his children, it's all great. Dead. You see, what are, I want to, moving forward, what are we dead to? And I have to go this, this somewhat quickly because of time, but as it concerns what we are dead to, and this could be a whole session in of itself, but what are we dead to? Well, Paul tells us really six things that we are dead to. We're first of all dead to the sin nature. 
dead to the sin nature ruling over our lives. He said in Romans 6, 11, again, right Christ, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed. And as I mentioned yesterday, it's awesome, that word indeed. Not just dead, but dead indeed, really dead. Dead indeed to sin. And the definite article there is in the Greek before the word sin. Dead indeed to the sin. And that refers to the principle of sin or the sin nature that resides in us as God's children. Because we have not been raptured yet, we still have the presence of the sin nature residing in us. Now get this real quickly. In our justification, when we first got saved and we were justified, declared righteous in the eyes of God, justification took care of sin's penalty. The penalty of sin was what? Death, eternal separation from God forever and ever. But in our sanctification, as we live by faith, the just shall live by faith. In our sanctification, God's design and his plan, as we live by faith, the power of the sin nature is removed from our life. You get that? Justification dealt with its penalty, death. Sanctification, true sanctification, deals with the power of the sin nature. That if we're living our life by faith in Christ and him crucified, the power of the sin nature is, it's, it's, it's rendered powerless. Get that? It has no power in our life. It's a sin factory that's been shut down. Get that? That sin factory, the sin nature, that inner bent to do wrong, that inner bent continually to disobey God over and over and over and over and over again, that inner bent has been shut down as we live by faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit that works in us, again, as we exhibit faith in the cross. But you see, when you and I are glorified one day, and the rapture takes place, and hopefully, you know what, I hope it takes place today. I'm somewhat selfish, but I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus. God, I believe, I have unsaved loved ones, I'm chasing a rabbit here, but I have unsaved loved ones, just like you and I, or just like you do. I've got unsaved loved ones. So actually, my, my father is, my dad is unsaved. He's a Jehovah Witness. But I believe that and I, God's given me the promise that, that he is going to get saved. Get that? He's going to get saved. The Lord told me that as I was singing, singing in the choir in November of 1991. The Lord told me that he's going to save my dad. So I believe that God's going to save my dad. But you know what? If the rapture, what happens if the rapture takes place before that happens? I believe God's still going to save him. Praise the Lord. As long as he makes it, that's what I really want. Now, in glorification, what happens is that the presence of the sin nature is removed from our life. Justification deals with its penalty. Sanctification deals with its power over our life. And glorification deals with its very presence in our life. But right now, as we exhibit faith and live by faith in the finished work of the cross, its power is removed. We are dead to its power. Get that? We are dead. It's rendered powerless. Reckon yourself to be dead. And get this, dead, just the way that Paul used it, it doesn't mean half dead. It means all the way dead. Why? Well, why is that? Because Jesus was not half crucified. You and I were not half crucified to sin. We were all the way crucified to sin. And we are to view ourselves that way. Dead, 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 dead. All the way dead. Well, if I'm so dead, then how come I still sin every once in a while? You know, not very often, but every once in a while. Not like those other people do. And how come I still say, if I'm so dead, Mr. Critical Spirit? Well, the reason why is because, again, we're still in this flesh. And we are, we are to know, we are, let me say this, we are to view 
our, if I could say it this way, our deadness with Christ as once and for all. Just like Christ's death was once and for all. We have been once and for all crucified with Christ. Every day of our life, we can say, I am dead. I have been crucified with Christ. But get this, with the understanding though, that we are a work in progress. Get that? I'm dead every day, but I have also the understanding that I'm being sanctified. I'm a work in progress. He's sanctifying me every day of my life. He's conforming me every day of my life into his image. So I am dead through the cross. What happens if if I fail? When I fail, I should say, not if, but when. What happens? Well, you know what? Don't let that failure shake your faith. Go back to the truth of God's word. I failed, yes I did, but you know what? God's word stands true. I'm dead, hallelujah, I'm dead. I'm dead to the power of the sin nature. Number two, I'm dead to the law. I'm dead to the law. Through our faith in Christ, we are dead to the penalty of the law which is over us, which is death. But get this, and Paul would say this in Romans chapter seven and verse four, and I have to read it for you for the sake of time, but in Romans seven, four, Paul would say, therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. You have become dead to the law. Dead to the law or the penalty of the law but also dead to the law as a means of righteousness. Get this, this is huge, huge. Dead to the law as a means of righteousness. What does that mean? That means I am dead to works, even the good works that I do, as a means of God's acceptance of my life. Through as we exhibit faith in what Jesus accomplished for us at Calvary, his finished work, we are dead, again, to works as a means of victory over sin. We are dead to the law or works and my performance, my methods, my own understanding as the means of of righteousness, as a means of his love, as a means of acceptance to him. I'm dead. Why am I? That, you know, let me say, 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 that's why many of you, if not all, I pray all, that, and those listening by radio and watching on the internet right now, now that you've understood the cross in regards to sanctification, you're no longer, your, your, your engine no longer purrs. Your engine, spiritual engine, is no longer kicked into overdrive by another three-step method. You're not looking for another set, you're not looking for seven steps to victory anymore. You used to be, but now you're not, you're not looking for that no more, no no more. You're not looking for so-and-so's three steps or five steps to victory, why? It's because you're dead to that. I'm dead to three steps, four steps, seven steps. I'm dead. Because as we exhibit faith in the cross, we experience a death to works as a means of righteousness. It didn't used to be this way. But years ago for myself, and I know all of us could share our own testimony, but years ago before I understood the cross in regards to sanctification, when I used to pray and spend time before God, I used to use it as a work, as a means of righteousness. I would never have said that out of my mouth because I knew it was doctrinally wrong. But that's what I was practicing. I was, I was in a sense, I was alive to works as a means of victory. I was alive to performance as my means of acceptance before God. Oh, if I perform really good, if I pray for two hours, oh my Lord, God, God's arms are not just open, but they're wide open for me. Oh, glory. 15 minutes in prayer and Bible reading, and God's arms are about that wide. 
Come on, child, come on. I'll, I'll hug you a little bit. I love you a little bit. Oh, my Lord, but pray for two hours. Oh, God's arms are, oh, come on, child. I got a whole lot for you. Now, God has his blessings for us that he purchased for us at Calvary, but they're not for sale. They're not for sale. And you and I, I know that we could all share our own testimonies, but my own testimony, I can say at one time in my life, I was alive to works as a means of righteousness. I was alive to performance as a means of acceptance and love and victory over sin. That's what I was alive to. But now that I've understood the cross, and all of us again are a work in progress, none of us know it all. We're all growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But now that I understand the cross, and I understand how grace works, not just in regards to salvation, but in regards to sanctification. It's by grace through faith from the beginning to the end. Now that I know that, I'm dead to law. And if for some chance, and not if, but when, you and I, while understanding the cross and living by faith in the cross, we slip back into law because all of us are prone to do that because we are but flesh. And when we, in our own heart, slip back into performance, the Holy Spirit's right there to prick your heart. Say, eh, eh, eh. It's like, a, what a, it's like I, I think of it as the Holy Spirit, eh, eh. I do that to my, my kids sometimes. They're about to do something, eh, don't, eh. Don't eat macaroni and cheese in the bed, eh. The Holy Spirit is there to say, eh, uh, uh, wait, 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 stop. You're viewing this as a means of acceptance before me. You slip back into a brownie points mentality. Come back to the cross. Come back to faith alone by grace through faith. By our faith in the cross, we become dead to the law. And you know what? I'm not going to rush it. We're just going to pick this up tomorrow. But number three, what else are we dead to? You know, let me go back for a moment as it concerns the law. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 2. The book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21. The book of Colossians chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Paul would say in that passage in Colossians 2, again, 20, 21, he said, wherefore, if you be dead, and the word if there really is misleading, it could, should be translated since. Wherefore, since you be dead, or since you are dead with who? With Christ. There is our identification right there. We were made one with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. Since you are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? Verse 21. Touch not, taste not, handle not, which, are, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments and doctrines of men. Oh, my Lord, Paul's asking a good question. Good question for then and a good question for us right now. If you are dead with Christ, then how come you're going back to law? Touch not, taste not, handle not. Why are you, why, why are you using four steps? Why, why, are you, why are you using 40 days to find your purpose? Why, 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 why? Why do you do it? Why are you going back? Why, do you, why, do you, why, do you, why are you saying that you have to fast 21 days to get victory over sin? And if you don't fast 21 days, you won't have victory over sin. Why are you doing that? Why? If you're dead with Christ, you're dead to those things. You're dead. You're dead, you're dead to 21 days to get victory over sin. You're dead to that. 
Because the only thing you're alive to is faith in Christ and what Christ did for us at the cross. Hallelujah. Well, you shouldn't be so dogmatic about it. You know, you should leave room for some other options. No, 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 no. There is no room for other options. There is no other, there's no room for other ways to victory. There is no, there is no room for that. Understand this, that you and I as God's children, we should always be gracious and kind towards our brothers and sisters in Christ who, 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 who don't understand and that they're, they're, they don't understand the cross in regards to sanctification. We should be gracious as God has been gracious and long-suffering to us. But at the same time, we shouldn't be gracious to the point where we just let, just, just, just let it slide. Oh, well, it, well, it's all right. Well, they have another way. It's all right. They have another way to victory. It's all right. They love the Lord. No, 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 no. There is no other way of victory. It is only through the cross. It is only through the cross. Hallelujah. Let's pray if we could right now. And tomorrow morning we're going to pick up with this and what we are dead to. And as well tomorrow deal with what we are alive to. Hallelujah. Again, I want to say it again. Uh, in the natural, that is bad. Resurrection's good. But again, in the spiritual, it's all good. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's all good. Dead, 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 dead. Praise the Lord. And I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Tomorrow morning, we're going to continue that study of what we're dead to and what we're also alive to. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word today. Father, I'm just so thankful for the moving and operation of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, today we deserve nothing, but yet you gave us everything. Lord, in reality, we deserve hell. We deserve eternal separation from you and that torment of hell forever. But God, you gave us mercy, not because we deserved it, because you loved us and we just simply trusted in you. We thank you, Lord, for that, for your mercies are new every morning. God, today we just ask that you would continue to make the cross, make the cross real to us, Lord. Not, that, not a wooden being, not a picture, Lord, in our minds, but Lord, the reality of what your word declares, let it be made real. And God, we say it all in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord.